Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Now, we're going to look at something tonight, and I, I, I first looked at this when I very first came to Ivy years ago. We went through a series of these things called Life Shapes, um, which uh, a guy called Mike Breen is a friend of mine put together to help us to be able to uh, figure out discipleship. And then I was praying this week, and we're in this series all about the kingdom of God, and I started to um, think about what could I speak about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, uh, this, and then this, it, it was like, life shapes there's especially this one called the circle and some of you might have already studied this in various ways you might kind of think oh well, I know this and then I started to think about it and I realized actually this is basically a really good way of thinking about how not to miss the things that heaven is doing as they intersect with earth in your life and I realized as I thought about that how many times I have missed that how many times I do miss that? How many times I just carry on with my life as if there's a phrase like a practical atheist? Because you can be a Christian but live life as a practical atheist. You can know God's there, you can you know, know the stuff in the Bible is true or whatever, but practically, as far as you're concerned in your life, it doesn't really make that much difference. He doesn't actually make that much difference. His word doesn't make all that much difference. So you're practically like an atheist, except you're a Christian. You could even say, oh, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, I went to this thing and I became a Christian and then I got baptised and all those kind of things happened. But they're all back there. They're in the past. Have you lived this week as a practical atheist? Because it's possible to live practically as if God's just this idea. God's a principle. Um, God's a, a force that if you want to, you can connect. God's somebody you can talk about. God's somebody that can in some way form a community with other people through. And I think churches are full of practical atheists, to be honest with you, if not careful. We can so end up becoming a group of people who talk about God quite a bit more than other people do. But do we expect him to actually be breaking into our lives and doing anything now? Because if not, we've got to be careful. And this um, circle shape for me really helps. And, um, and, and I, I've, I've used it a little bit, but I don't think I've used it as much as I should do to be able to help myself and to be able to help other people. So this is something for, that can, you can help other people with too. So if you want to take notes, you, it's good to take notes. The devil hates it when you take notes. But you can maybe help, because there could become a point at which you're talking to somebody and they're feeling like, oh, I don't know if God's real. I don't know if he's ever really connected to me. I don't know if he, you know, if he ever speaks to me. It's all right for you. You go to church, but I don't know if he ever does anything like that for me. You could actually draw this circle with them and you could ask a question and you can help them to be able to process what's going on in their lives in a way that God kind of breaks into it. And as we've been looking at the, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God so much this year, as I say, I, I really felt that this was about how heaven connects with earth and how heaven wants to change earth and how it starts by changing us. So the learning circle comes from um, a guy called Mike, Mike Breen, as I say, but he really took it from Mark chapter 1 and verse 15 in the Bible. 
Um, and it's really Jesus' first sermon of, of what he says. He says, the time has come. I think we've got, there it is. The time has come. And that word time is kairos. There's two ways, there's two Greek words for, for time. Some of you know this. Chronos is chronological time. It's just um, minutes and seconds and hours and dates and calendars. That's all of that is chronological. But kairos time is different. Kairos is like, have you ever had one of those times when time just seems to not matter? That's kairos time. Kairos time is like special time. Kairos time is like, um, oh no, it's like at a wedding, especially when it's you getting married. I always say to married, you know, couples, when we meet them here, I'll say, we're gonna get ma- you're going to get married. Now we're going into wedding time. And it's like, it doesn't matter how long things take. From the moment you come in here, everything takes as long as it takes. Because this is a special time. This is a kairos time. So the time, the kairos has come, Jesus says. Why? The kingdom of God is near. And that word near, it literally means so close you can touch it. That's why in other translations it sometimes says the kingdom of God is at hand. That's how close the kingdom of God is. Repent, which has got a very bad press as a word, but shouldn't have. Repent, we're going to look at what repentance means, and believe the good news of the gospel. So we've got two sides to this. Repent and believe. Okay. Um, If you're able to stand, please stand up and turn around in a circle or something like that. Have a little stretch and uh, high five three people. And turn around again. And sit down. Feel a bit dizzy now, all that turning around. For some people, as I say, this might be by way of review for you. It might be something that you've already looked at and I think it bears repeating because I don't think it's ever something that we've quite done with. And we're going to look at the next slide with the learning circle on it. And I'm going to highlight a few key words that are here. Kairos, we've already talked about. That's that, 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 at the top of it, the, uh, the little um, arrow shape. You've got chronos, which is just time going on along the arrow. That's just your life. That's my life. And I'm just going along in my life. Past, present, future. That's how, we, how, how time appears to us. God's above it. God's eternal. God looks down at it. C.S. Lewis, somebody said to him, well, how can, how can you, say, you know, talk about God knowing everything and, and, and you know, all this? And he said, well, the way that we perceive time is... It's, it's coming to us and then, it, and then it's here and then it's gone. And, and yet God it stands outside of that. And he used an illustration, which I love. I'll kind of change it a little bit. But basically what he said was, imagine there's a little boy and uh, he hears the circuses in town. So he runs out onto the street and he sees down the road that there's, he can hear the band, first of all. And then he gets there and there's a clown and there's some jugglers and then they come past. And then after that, there's a fire eater. And then after that, there's um, a bunch more clowns and the doors fall off the car or whatever. And then they put them back on and then they carry on. And then there's the ringmaster who's saying, come to the circus. And then you've got the, the, uh, the cage with a lion in it and that goes past. And eventually you've got a big elephant and the elephant is coming and then it's there and then it's gone. And then they go around the corner and all you just see is the elephant's tail and then it's gone. And that's how we see life it comes at us and then it's here and then it's gone 
But for God, imagine now you get up on the roof of the building, really high skyscraper, and then you look down. God can see all at the same time the, the things that we see coming and going. He's got a bigger picture than us. So many things. I'm glad that God's got a bigger picture than me. If I was to focus on something, it could seem like the most terrible thing in the world. Whereas actually, I don't know the whole picture. And I have to remember that because to God, he, sees the, he knows the beginning from the end, the Bible says. And that's, that's about trusting, to be able to know that God's got a bigger picture than me. He can see things that I can't see and he knows things that I don't know. So he's above that circle, if you like, but we're, we're living life, walking. We're, for, the, for the time being, for now, we're on that line. That's what we're doing. We're going along. And then the other key words we want us to look at is on one side is repent and the other words believe coming out of that passage that Jesus said those words. And the learning circle is about how we hear from God and then actively put what God is saying or what God is doing into practice in, in my life. It's about having faith. It's about doing the works that God has prepared in advance that we should do them. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, God has prepared good works in advance that we should walk in them. I love that picture. It's like, you know, you're walking through your life and it's just an ordinary life, it seems to you. But it's like a treasure hunt because God's put all of these things, these amazing adventures and gifts out for you because he loves you and he wants them, you to keep discovering and opening all those things up as you go through life. He's prepared good works in advance that you should walk in them. He wants that to happen. James, in his letter in the New Testament, he wrote to the church, he said, if we don't do this, if we just, if we just carry on regardless through life, if you just stay on that top line, if you like, if you don't do anything with those kairos moments, with those times when God is speaking to you, he says, you could even hear the word of God tonight and do nothing about it. And he says, you know what you've just done? You've deceived yourself. Wow. It's like you're kidding yourself. He said, he said, you're like somebody looking in a mirror who's got, you know, you know, snot all down your face or something and you don't do anything about it. You just walk out as if you haven't got it. It doesn't matter. You know, or, you know, your lipstick smudged or whatever it is. You're like, look, somebody looks in the mirror and there's something that needs to change but you don't change it. He said, that's what it's like so often. I think that can be what I'm like so often. But can you imagine what the church would be like? Can you imagine what the world would be like? Can you imagine what your relationship with God would be like if you just kind of resolved that you would never ever come away from an encounter with God and, and a word from him, from the Bible, from any kind of meeting with God without doing something about it. And then the question might be, well, what do I do? And that's what we're going to be looking at. See, I was gripped this week. I was reading in my Bible readings in the day, day, daily Bible readings in the morning. The Apostle Paul I follow the Bible in one year uh, thing and the pattern for that. And, and at one point, it says the Apostle Paul is on trial for his faith. That happened a lot to him. And uh, he, he's describing what took place. And in Acts 26, he's kind of telling his, his testimony, is what we call it. He's giving his story of faith. And then he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So I had this vision from heaven as to what I was meant to do. Jesus told me what I was meant to do. He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. But I told people that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Can you see both sides of that in, in what he says? So you repent and you show it 
by your deeds. If you don't, you haven't repented. How often does God want to connect or to speak something into our lives, but it doesn't connect, it just flies, that's the noise it makes. God's like speaking and it goes right over our heads. It doesn't do anything and connect and change us on the inside. There's a verse in the book of Job and it says, God does speak, sometimes this way and sometimes that way, though a man may not perceive it. It's like God can speak and you just don't receive it. You don't perceive it. And it doesn't really matter to you. How many ideas, how many dreams, how many visions has God released to you and me in our lifetime so far and we've missed them? And often I think the reason that we missed them is because we didn't go through the circle. We just carried on. We got busy. We were looking at our phones. We were checking Facebook. We were with our mates. We were thinking about our careers. We were earning some money. We were watching a box set. Busy doing stuff. I think it's in Isaiah. I'll have to check it later. But God, there's a verse. No, it's Amos, I think. God says, all day long, I stretched out my hands towards an obstinate people. It's like God's like, you're just that picture. God's in heaven going, hello. And we're going, oh, I don't know if God is talking to me. <laughs> Would you like, oh, no, hang on, first of all, first question. Who thinks actually they might have already fulfilled in their life all of the potential and possibility that God placed in them? <laughs> Nobody, thankfully. Who would like to seize more of what the kingdom of heaven wants to bring into your life from now on? Brilliant. If so, we need to start going around in circles. See, I've drawn versions of this over the years with people who said, I feel a bit stuck. And I said, okay, do you feel like you're going around in circles? And they said, yeah. And I said, good. Because <laughs> going around in circles can be a good thing if we do it like this. And, uh, and, and I've drawn this circle and found it really does open people's hearts up to the activity of God. So are you ready to go around the learning circle? Great. Maybe as we go around this, actually, practically, you can think about an event or um, something that you really need God to speak about. Or something that... Um, You've got is a challenge for you, or a potential opportunity that you're thinking about. A decision could be about a relationship. Could be you know it could be all kinds of things that you could think about as your practical in the back of your mind. So this isn't just um, academic, but this is real for you. Something you've been sensing, maybe God's saying it's a good way of testing it. So imagine, like I say, you're walking through life, you're following a path. The path is symbolised by the arrow. The path ended up by the way walking you in through the doors of the church and in here tonight. And this is where you are. Everybody's on some kind of path. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you're on a path in life. And at some points, God intersects. I believe he intersects with everybody's life, whether or not they believe in him. 
Whether or not they respond, God is so loving and so gracious, he keeps on trying to reach people and to speak to people and to connect with their lives. And actually, I think the more responsive we are to him, the more that happens. So as I say, maybe you're not even a, you wouldn't even say I'm a Christ follower quite yet, but you're on a path. And, and there's a, I remember in, in the Gospels at one point, Jesus talked about a guy who said he, he wasn't yet a follower, but Jesus said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven. Now that's a good place to be. So the fact that you're here tonight means you're not far from the kingdom of heaven. And revelation from heaven and direction and confirmation. And it all speaks about God having a rescue plan. That Jesus has got a rescue plan for your life. And he's got grace for you. So you have an encounter with God. That's what it's all about. Some, maybe it's something in a sermon. Maybe it's you're reading the Bible and, and, uh, or, or somebody comes along and, and a friend says, I'm wondering, I've been praying for you and this is something that I'm wondering if God's saying to you or, or whatever. It could be that kind of thing that happens. Encounters with God come in a variety of different ways. There's a classic book by a guy called Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. And he just wants to remind us, God is at work all the time, all around us. That's really what it's about. The Bible says he's not far from any one of us. In fact, in him we live and move and have our being. You can't go anywhere where God isn't. But when we recognise that God is at work, that can become a kairos. That can become a moment in your life that is a, an encounter time, a kairos moment, when kairos breaks into the chronos. So the little arrow at the top marks the kairos moment. And I've been praying for you tonight that God will come and speak to you tonight and that this will be for you a moment when the kingdom of God is near. Anybody up for that? Yeah. And there has been so many moments like that in the past, if you think about it. But every time it happens... We always, always, always have a choice about what we're going to do with it. As I say, you can ignore it. You can say, well, I don't really like God. I don't want him speaking to me. You can say, I don't want to hear what he has to say in case he says something that I don't want him to say. Or you can ignore him because you're so busy. You can just keep going as if nothing ever happened. I always talk about, I remember a time when I was about 17 before I became a Christ follower myself, seeing a poster at police training school and I knew God was speaking to me through that. I kind of knew it and I, I just went, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And walked away. But we have to enter the circle if anything's going to change. So you repent and believe and you work your way through the circle. You grow as a, as a disciple by going round and round in circles. It ends up, Mike Breen says, the, the way a, a disciple's life is meant to be is not just going like that, but it's more like a slinky. Who can remember a slinky? You know? What are they like? If, you, if we lived like this, that's a very rich and full life, very connected to God. See, growth doesn't just happen as a Christian. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It's not about that. You know, like I say, if God can see how a time like that, don't tell me you've been a Christian for 30 years. Some people have been a Christian longer 
They've been a Christian 30 days more than somebody who's been a Christian 30 years. I was, somebody was telling me the other day about somebody who's not even quite yet a, a Christian, but they've started to come to one of our services at the Fuse. And he's so hungry for God, he's read in the last few weeks two-thirds of the Bible. He said, I'm having to limit myself now to two hours a day. Is that okay? So, we have to learn to stop, to pause, to recognise, to reorient our lives when we have these Kairos moments. And the quicker and the more and the faster we do this, the more round and round we'll go. How do you know it's from God and not from you? How do you know your mind's not playing tricks on you? What's the formula? Well, look, the thing is about this, there is no formula. This is not about a formula, it's a relationship. It's an invitation. And actually, more than anything else, it's an invitation to know God better. It's not to know more about God, it's to know God better, to live closer to him. That being said, it's a good idea to spend some time learning to recognise these things and there are resources that will help you to discern them. Here are a few. Number one is the Bible. This is where we start. Do you actually regularly spend time reading and listening, especially if you're not a reader, to the Bible? If you do that regularly, God will speak to you regularly. If you do it irregularly, God will irregularly speak to you. If you never do it, hardly ever. God's got to do something. He's got to make the clouds into the shape of a goat or something. But why make him do that when people have died and bled and been burnt at the stake so that you can have a Bible in your language and God could speak to you every single day really clearly. So this, isn't, this is like a regular practice to hear God through the Bible, to get to know him better, to live more closely with him. And when we read the Bible, actually, especially as you read through like things like the Gospels and if you go into Acts, and even the story sections in the Old Testament, you're going to see loads of Kairos moments. You're going to see you're not the only person that this could ever happen to. In fact, the Bible's full of Kairos moments, people having these encounters with God. And so that can help you to navigate your own, can't it? If you look at how God has worked and connected with other people, that can help you to work out what he's doing and what he's saying in your life. And some of them are really dramatic. Some of them we talked about, like Saul's conversion, you know, when he had this heavenly vision and it's a really dramatic story but other, others might just seem pretty ordinary by comparison like Martha and Mary and she, you know, one of them just sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him and you read through the Gospels and you're going to see there is no formula because this is about relationship and some people are encountering God and in fact whenever people met Jesus they were having a Kairos moment he was bringing heaven to earth every time. And then you look in the Old Testament, you can see them, you look in Genesis and Exodus, there's a burning bush and God is speaking there. Judges, Ruth, all these different times. You keep your eyes open and you start to see stories of people encountering God all the time in all kinds of different ways, God breaking in. You know, sometimes with an angel, sometimes with a dream, sometimes with a vision, sometimes just... When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, somebody's just standing out in the open fields and looking up at God and, and, and looking up at the heavens and he's speaking to them, encounters. So you have to learn to recognise these Kairos moments and read the Bible. And the next thing you can do is actually make a lifeline. 
a spiritual graph. I found this really helpful for us to be able to do. It's, um, it, it, it doesn't have to be too complicated, but, but basically, plot your life's highs and lows. That's the timeline. And just to be able to put, as you look back through your life, the highs and the lows. Because they can be Kairos moments. In fact, every one of them, God wants to be Kairos moments. He wants to meet us in every high and every low. I think we even sing a song a bit like that. So you can just draw a map like that. It can be really painful to do this. I did, I did a course here a little while ago and it was supposed to be to help Christians to be able to share their faith with non-Christians. And, it was all, and we did this and we just said, I just said to people, we're going to draw these timelines and you do it and all that. But anyway, people were in bits. People were crying their eyes out because there's some really low lows that can happen to us. As well as some highs. That's life. That's what happens to every person. Everybody's got lows and everybody's got highs. But God wants to, he wants us to be real about that and actually he can make every single one of them a kind of a special time with him. There's a famous passage in Ecclesiastes, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. As I read through these actually, you can think, maybe you're going to recognise and think about your own ups and downs and about how heaven can connect and intersect with every one of them. From, from when you were born, there's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Every one of those times can be Kairos times. You don't have to just be Kronos. You don't have to deal with it on your own, just going through like a practical atheist, like everybody else, as if there is no God. I'm thinking about it, and so I'm, I'm like, well, I'm going to say that to people, but what's going on in me? I don't know what's going on. And then I thought about it for like two minutes. This week, the birth of my granddaughter. This Tuesday is my 30th wedding anniversary. And to celebrate, I'm having an MRI scan. <laughs> you know, not really. But each one of those things, the Kairos moments, you know, they, they can be, or I can just do life, because lots of people will have those, all those, those same three things happen and God not be involved at all. It's about the invitation. It's about will I, will I get God involved in that or will I just deal with it and sort my, you know, think about my own 30th wedding anniversary, have a party or whatever as if God's not involved. We have the opportunity to bring him in. And drawing a, line, a time like that, like that can actually be a way unexpectedly to see God's provision, to see God's care, to see the ways in which God did help, God did come alongside. God wasn't not there. It's like that, you know, I know it's cheesy, footprints. You know, people love that tea towel. 
And they love it for a reason. Because there's a truth in it, isn't there? Or maybe if you don't connect with footprints, maybe it's the other version you like. Do you know the other one? One night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. And then some stranger prints appeared. I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are too big for feet. My child, he said in sombre tone, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. <laughs> because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand, or leave their butt prints in the sand. <laughs> Number three, moving on, is prayer. Which is just about asking God. Asking God to be with you in all of these times and even when we're doing this circle this isn't just a an exercise that we do without God it's not going to work like that it actually can be really helpful for anybody who's not a Christian to even to be able to go through changes in life and to be able to process it like this but as we pray and as we ask God to help then he'll do it and he will he will help us to be able to change and he'll cooperate in that process with us so we can just live in live as if as if we're not Christians or we can do this Let's put the next slide on. The decision to enter into a Kairos moment involves us stopping and thinking, all right, now I'm going to do business with God. That's the first thing. It doesn't just happen. And then once you make that decision, the circle guides us into two things. The first side is the repent side. This is about hearing and understanding what God is actually saying and what God is actually doing right now. And it's, it's getting clarity about that. The believe side is about putting what God said into practice. Nothing really changes unless we do both. The path of discipleship is totally and simply summed up in learning to do those two things that Jesus said in his first sermon in Mark's Gospel when he went around saying, repent and believe because the kingdom's close at hand. Literally, as I say, it's there for you to grab hold of. He talks about it again in the Sermon on the Mount. You know that one. There's a wise man who builds his house upon a... How? By doing what Jesus said. Not just by hearing it, but by doing something about it. So you can use this for yourself and you can also, as I say, use it for somebody else who's going through a process. Maybe they're moving to a new place. Maybe they're going through some kind of a struggle and they're thinking, is God speaking to me? If he's there, what's he saying to me? So Mike Breen suggests three steps for the repent side. And three questions. Observe, notice. Moses is out walking the sheep and he goes up a mountain and there he sees what? Burning bush. And he says, I will go over and see this thing. That got, you know, he's like, he's like Ooh, that doesn't happen every day. He notices, he observes what's going on. He actually, because you can have something going on and not really notice not really observe not slow down enough to be able to take notice the next thing is to reflect to what does it actually mean what does this thing mean focus on 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 what stands out what seems important pray ask god what's important about this and if you're helping somebody else ask them some questions so what do you think god is saying about this 
And then discuss. See, we can do this on our own, but actually I find it really helpful. That's why we have things here in church called grow groups. For us not to try and work out Christianity on our own, but to be able to be in groups together with other people. And they can help us in community to be able to work stuff out. And these are some great questions. You can ask, what do you think God is saying about himself? What do you think God is saying about you? What is God saying about your relationship with him? And it's really important to get answers to those kind of questions before you move on to the next side of the Kairos moment. Too often, people like me, who are activist types, just want to dive straight into doing something. Hands up if that's you. I'm just like, I think God might have told me to do something. We're off, let's give it a try and he can tell us no on the way. But the Bible says, if you wait on the Lord, what will he do? He'll renew your strength. And for the second half of this, you might need that strength. So it's good to wait on the Lord. Slow down, receive everything that he's got. If you're helping somebody else, tell them, let's not rush this. Encourage them. Let's think, let's pray. What is God really saying? What's he been saying to you recently about this situation? Or whatever it is. And then actually get them, and I sometimes, or if it's yourself, write down a few words to get it focused. Because focus matters. Getting clarity is going to lead from repent to believe. It's like, um, I remember a guy years ago, and I was talking to him, and, and he ended up saying to me, I just kind of wonder if God's been saying in various ways recently to me that I've been kind of nagging at my son, I've been negative, I've been complaining about what he does and what he doesn't do all the time and I've not been appreciating him and, and you know, I've been, and we were, I think it was a Bible passage that we were discussing at the time and he was like, you know, God keeps nailing me like we just did there. As I read that, I'm like, that was it, fathers do not exasperate your children. He's like, I realise I've been exasperating my child and that's what, exactly what it is, that's what I'm doing. And I said, well, okay, we'll write that down as a, as a little sentence of, what, what's going on? What, what, do you, what do you think God's saying to you? And eventually he wrote down some long thing. No, no, a, lot, a short thing. Okay, God says, I want you to encourage Tom. That's it. That's really practical, isn't it? God is saying to me, I want you to encourage Tom. So that's that side of the circle sorted out for him in this particular instance. And, and I'd say, are you sure? Is that, is that what you think God might be saying to you? Does that ring true to you? Is that what you think? He's like, yeah, yeah, I think that's actually it. He's got that clear. So the, once you've got that side clear, the other side becomes a lot easier. I'm not saying, well, simpler, not easier. Not always easier, but simpler. Because now you know what God's saying to you. Second half is, let's have a look. What are you going to do about it? So, great, saying you're going to encourage Tom. What's the, what's the plan for that? What can I do to help you? Are you going to, shall we meet next week and you can tell me how many times you've encouraged Tom and in what different ways you've encouraged Tom? What have you actually done to do that? What's the first step you're going to do tonight before you go to bed? Because so often it's important, if, we, if, we, if you're ever going to do something, you have to do it, start on something straight away, don't you? Have you ever found that? No good just saying, I'm going to go on the diet. It's like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to throw out the rubbish in the fridge or whatever I'm going to do. I'm going to do something, helps me, the first step helps me with all the other steps. So, the, if you've done the hard work on the repent side, now you nail down 
what you're going to do in response to what God has been saying and keep it short and make a plan, just a few steps to carry out, nothing too complex. Agree to some accountability. Like, I mean, I, I'll sometimes say to people, I don't do this enough, I want to do it more. Is it okay for me to hold you accountable for that? You know, somebody says, well, I realise I'm just a gossip and I keep on talking to other people and I'm all that kind of stuff. Nobody ever says that. But I've helped them to understand that that might be the case. <laughs> well, what can we do that's different about that? And, and can, I, can we agree a little plan or whatever? And it's all kinds of stuff that we can hold one another accountable. Here's another example I thought about. There's a guy who realised that his self-worth was absolutely tied up. His identity was absolutely tied up in his job. That was absolutely. And, and then he loses his job. Can that be a Kairos moment? Absolutely. So, so he's, in a, he's in a, let's imagine you're helping him. He's in a grow group here at Ivy and you're in the same group. Or he comes to you and you've heard this talk about the learning circle. So what are you going to do? You're chatting together. And, uh, and Bob says, you know, about what's going on. And actually you say, well, okay, well, what's God been saying to you recently? And he says, well, I actually think that maybe God's been saying that the, the thing that most matters to him like we've just been hearing, is that he loves me and that I'm his child. That's actually the most important thing for me to, to know. So again, we, we clarify that. Now, he has responses. What could, kind of thing could Bob do as a result of losing his job? What could his main focus be? Get a new job. Get, get, some, get a career. Do, go to college, go to university, or do something else. To get, you know, get a different kind of job. You know, all kinds of stuff to do with his job could be the answer that he comes up with. But does that deal with the actual problem and the thing that God's been saying to him? No. What that does is it just keeps him going on the top line, doesn't it? Yeah. It just keeps him living like everybody else as if God's not really there. Just to go and get another job. Doesn't deal with the problem, which is, what's the problem? His identity is wrapped up in his job. Will getting another job solve that problem? No. It will compound the problem. So what does he need to do? Well, I can think of some ways that we can discuss about making a plan to reinforce some habits. Maybe he could write out a Bible verse he's going to memorise and stick it on his mirror so every morning when he wakes up, he reads that verse. How great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. 1 John 4. To put that up there, and memorise it. And say it out loud, first thing in the morning. And stick it in the, you know, somewhere in the car. When he gets in the car, he reads that again. Reads it out loud. But that's, that's a plan. And then he says to me, or to somebody, can you hold me to account that I'm going to say that every single day for the next week? Morning, afternoon and evening. I'm going to memorise that and I'm going to start to believe or you know if anyone's in Christ he's a new creation the old has gone the new has come 2 Corinthians 5 17 that's a, a verse or whatever that can help him to see things differently or whatever and to speak it out loud and actually not only to do that but to go home and say to his family I've been realizing I've been living for all about my job and making that the, fo- the focus of my life but I'm a, I'm a Christian you know that and so I don't want to live like that anymore so you st- if you start seeing me living like that again I want you to tell me I want you to hold me to account if it seems like I just go straight down the career track again like I did in the past and stop making it about God and start making it all about money or, or whatever. Will you, giving permission, because nobody's just going to do it, are they? Can you imagine anybody just doing that? That's not going to be welcomed. But if you ask for it, 
Now he's got a plan. He's got some people that he can be accountable to. And then he's going to have some actions. Some things that he's going to do. So, now let's put this into practice. Who wants to deceive themselves? Good. Because we don't just want to hear and not do. So what I'm going to ask you to do is turn to the person around you, or threes max, two or threes, and think about something that God's been doing and saying to you recently that even might have been in this talk. Something that started, you started your wondering, has God been saying to you? What's God been saying to you recently about something? And what are you doing about it? What are you going to do about it? Just a few minutes each. Say hello. Exchange names if you don't know them already. Exchange an item of clothing with them. You don't have to do that. Just turn around to some people around you and just discuss. What's God been saying to you? What are you doing about it? Can I just say, ask the questions. Don't just talk. Get used to asking these questions. They're really good questions. I want you to ask me these questions when you see me. Don't just say, hello, Anthony, how are you? I want you to start saying to me. No, last one. What's God been saying to you? What are you doing about it? Yeah? Great. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.